All right, Brandon. We had a cigarette and some snacks. We had a we had an issue. Um, so the reason why I ask you those the questions about what you were going through was, man, that story people don't get from being a kid to going through your teenage years. How much shit you got to figure out on your own? Yeah. So like your story is. It's good because it's not – we don't talk about all that the actual shit that you go – I mean, you had coaches trying to hustle you for 10% of your signing bonus. <laughs> with no connections you, you, to nothing. With, yeah. yeah. No like, they, can't, they don't know no GM, nothing. Yeah. Just, you, you got coaches, hey, you're telling them about this shit you're going through, and they're like, well, pack your bags and go. We don't give a fuck. So that's what a lot of young men go through. I mean, whether you go to church, you got to – Run from guys trying to fuck you, or your your parents are fighting, or there's so much shit you have to deal with at that age, and yeah. you have no idea what is going on around you. Right. And now you're sitting here, you blown your AC out. You're talking about, man, everybody's leaving me, which is a perfectly normal reaction as a kid who doesn't. Now you've had time, and you understand how shit works, yep. and that that people do leave. Yep. And that is something that you have to deal with. So you're at Jackson State. You scored that touchdown. What happened after that touchdown? All right. So I'm thinking, oh, what's up from here? Like, this is it. Um, so they let me play the next game. And I scored another touchdown. It was, uh, it was like a two-yard. I, I had to fight for that. Uh, and this is, I think, maybe towards the end of the season. So it's not like... Brandon is the guy. He's about to be a starter. But, no, we see something in him. He has potential. So, that first year, I, I got my two touchdowns, and I'm looking good going into the sophomore year. Like, Brandon is going to be – he might be the guy. So, going into the summer, uh, I fought during the spring. I really proved that I got something to give to this team. I was I was looking looking good physically. Like, I'm doing a lot of great things on the field. Go through the summer. Uh, I rise up in, in leadership, again, praying for people, right? Like I, I would pray before the games, for the team. I'm just – I'm looking like this is the kid. So, sophomore year, I start the uh, season as a starting starting running back. Um, and we play Georgia Tech. And there's a news clipping – out there somewhere in, in, in the universe. And it says, welcome home, George, with a UGA player scooping me and putting me on my back because that UGA game was absolute shit. <laughs> I, it just, it was, it was shit. We were outsized oh, with, yeah. the U, with, with UGA. Uh, we were faster, more conditioned, but we just we were outsized, and they, you know, that running gun that they had, all the the wing tees, all that, that, that they fucked us up in that game. Uh, and coming out of that game, like I started as, as a starter, but I never got a rhythm. They gave me two series and then pulled me, and they let another guy go in, um, and I, I just kind of faded away mm. in the background throughout that entire season. And there was a couple things that I was going through around that time, too. I was pledging my fraternity, which, looking back, wasn't the best decision. But I felt like this is my only shot to be in this fraternity. Uh, that caused a wedge between my my coaches and I. 
because I was always the cool kid, always the nice kid, always the the church kid. Uh, I was leader on FCA. It's, it's hard to imagine now. Yeah, you came back in there barking. They were like, oh, shit. Here you go. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine me at that period because uh, I had Bible scriptures all over my wall. Like I was a very positive, optimistic kid. And now it's like, yeah, it's weird because I'm I'm Muslim, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm more militant now. Yeah. I don't take shit the way I used to. But so it started, that started to cause a wedge uh, on top of, I had this one instance. They weren't really playing me. And um, I, I was having issues with, with the coaching, Coach Ogle, Coach Letson. And on the way to Alabama A&M, it was a week that I had really focused, like I Focused on learning the playbook. Because one drawback that I also had as an athlete, as a football player, I never knew X's and O's. Like, I honestly never knew how to play football. Mm. I just knew get the ball, score. Try to score, yeah. But reading defenses, like, pick my back, my back, like, picking up block. I don't, I didn't, I never knew that stuff. So I had to really, that was something I had to really learn. It didn't come natural to me. Um, But this particular week, when I say I did every rep perfect, I just I was I knew everything about the game plan for this game and I knew this is I'm gonna show them like I, I am still who I am. And on the way to the game, I'm reading a book called Spiritual Man because I'm just kind of trying to get myself grounded before the game. I'm reading a book. We play that game and they put me in almost every series as a decoy for another person to score. Every single series, I was the decoy. And and my man Jamal scored every single time. And this upset me. So we get back. Uh, this is maybe like a Monday or Tuesday. And uh, the offensive coordinator, the same guy who gave me my scholarship, who when I once asked, what made you give me a scholarship? He said it was a play that you did in high school where the quarterback fumbled the ball, defensive end picks it up, and he's running full speed to go score. You hawk him down 60 yards. He said, that's the play that made me say, I need to give this kid a scholarship because he's a hustler. He doesn't quit. <laughs> so the same guy who didn't play me in this game that I've, I'm, I'm intently prepared for, like really focused, he said, you know why I didn't play you? I was like, honestly, coach, I have no idea. He said, because I told you the previous week not to study before a football game. Now, mind you, I thought we were supposed to be student athletes. But he said, I told you not to be studying before a football game. I said, Coach. He said, and and you were reading a book before the game. I said, Coach, the book I was reading was called The Spiritual Man. I was getting myself grounded so I could be the best that I could be for the game. Right. He looked at me. He said, oh, my bad. And that was it. That was the end of the discussion there was no uh my apologies brandon maybe next time i'll ask you right, but i'm i'm happy that you were trying to be focused I, I dropped the ball right there my bad there was nothing it was just oh my bad that was it it was no real like i'm sorry i apologize it, he just it was in the wind and i'm like but this is the one that i just knew if you give me the ball i'm gonna be a fucking monster this week i just knew it so all those moments accumulated, 
And then the previous season, I had a big concussion on kickoff. And then this season, I had a – I took a hit that knocked me out for like six, seven minutes. Damn. And, and literally, by the time I woke up, by the time I came to, I knew that's it. Football's over with. Who, it was who a hit rap. you? I don't know. What? But what I tell you <laughs> is it's the most embarrassing shit when you're sitting in the film room and they keep going reverse, fast forward, still watching you go like this. Dang. <laughs> like, like going back and forth, just watching the you get the shit knocked out of you. It's it's a horrible feeling, man. But um, yeah, I knew once I once I had woke up from that, I was like, yeah, football football is over with. And the whole time I had a secret, my my entire life. It wasn't that I was coming out the closet, but I had a secret. <laughs> That uh, <laughs> thank, thanks that, for not coming on the road that, with us. Thank you. Is that is that what you're sharing now? Is that what you're saying? What this is? No, no, no. But the the secret was, I grew up admiring Martin and Will Smith. Bad Boys had made such an impact on my life that I knew as a kid, man, I want to go to Hollywood. So I was going to use the NFL to get like all my resources and connections. To get to Hollywood. Mm. Once I said, man, ain't going to be no Hollywood. I was like, it's time to go. So I start. I knew at the end of the season I was walking away from football. And when I told my head coach, I was adamant. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I remember walking out the football field crying like, what's the fuck am I going to do now? Right. Um, you were like, old boy on Friday Night Light. What else we going to do? That, that's, <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. And I, I was crying walking from the the field house to my little efficiency, which was like two hundred yards away, um, just crying the whole time. But yeah, I, I knew at that point, yeah, football was 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 a wrap, and it, it was time to go to that that next thing in life, which was stand up comedy and acting. So how did you get to Hollywood, man? Did you whore yourself in the streets? No, the whoring <laughs> came once I got to Hollywood. Hey, Amen. No, uh, this is this is where I, I, I got love my fraternity, man. There's a brother by the name of Rondell who gave me two hundred twenty seven dollars for a bus ticket because um, he asked me, you know, in, in, in my fraternity as a Q, you it's a lot of networking. Yeah. You go places and the wilder and the crazier you are, the more people like you. And everywhere I went, I was wild and crazy. So that church boy really was a, I feel like the church boy was really an act. Cause I was just looking for a platform to really be myself, yeah. and as a as a Q, I could fully be myself. Um, so everywhere I went, I was no shirt shouting. You know what I mean? Like I ain't wearing no shirt. The shirts, no shirts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was I was wild, uh, tongue out. Like I just everywhere I went, I made noise. I'm 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 getting into physical altercations. Fun fun yeah. altercations, but I get into physical altercations with people. Right, I'm just, I'm, I'm wild, but I'm, I'm a fun, wild guy. So people just gravitated to me. And some of the fraternity brothers, when they learned I was trying to leave, they were like, all right, where are you going? I'm like, L.A., when, when are you leaving? Man, shit, about two weeks. How are you going to get there? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. So eventually I realized, all right, I'm going to take the bus. Rondell said, you got the money? I was like, No. He said, how much is it? I was like, $227. I 
He went to the ATM, gave me his last. Damn. $227. So I used that for my bus ticket. Another fraternity brother who was like a mentor to me, he gave me 400 for my first month of an apartment, which... We, what about in, in L.A.? So, so... He gave you box rentals. Because this wasn't 1968. Nah. This was... Nah, no, it was... But it was... it was. I had already communicated with another fraternity brother who was in L.A. who was like, yeah, man, you come here, you can stay in this room. Gotcha, only brother. 400 bucks. And this is where you discover every fraternity brother is not a friend. Hmm. For one, where he lived was across the street from USC. And oh. I discovered later on. It's gangland. Exactly. Yeah. I had no clue. I'm out two in the morning, <laughs> like just jogging, happy. Because you know? I'm coming from small Hicktown, Alabama. Now I'm in L.A. I'm like, bro, I made it. I'm in Hollywood. I remember getting off the bus, the Greyhound, and getting on like the L.A. Metro with a big orange Parkview uh, duffel, duffel bag. bag and a bag of a uh, uh, like trash bag over my shoulder, walking on USC campus. Do, 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 do. Like, like I'm just happy, bro, looking man. like one of the clampets. No, I'm looking <laughs> so country bumpkin, and I know they had to be looking at me like, who the fuck is this dude? Ironically, that country shit will keep you from getting robbed in LA or keep you out of that gang stuff. Because whenever they would come at me, I would turn it on, but I would turn that twang on. What's going on with y'all, boy? God damn. They'd be like, oh, he definitely ain't familiar. Yeah, he don't know. He, he don't know no shit. associations. So, um, yeah, so I had my I had that that room for like two days. I went to UCLA and met some some cues out there. I'm hopping, enjoying myself, having a good time. I lose my wallet. So I have no ID, no social, because I just had my social security card in my wallet. My girlfriend, my wife now. Told me, hey, man, you need to take that out. Yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll take it out when I get home. Um, all my cards, cash. I lost my wallet. I get to the room where I'm staying. I see my shit outside. I'm like, what happened? And my man came up with some some story. But really, he took my money, paid his rent, and now I'm asked out. So that one fraternity <laughs> brother that screwed me over. Two of them helped me get here. I called another one who was a fellow actor type. Um his uncle lived in L.A. I was like, yo, you think your uncle just let me stay there for the night? Um, so he he made that call, Uncle Cody. And Uncle Cody let me stay there for months and was like, man, I don't need nothing from you, young man. You just you do what you got to do. You on a mission. You chasing a dream. Yeah. Go for it. Um, and I was chipping here and there. But for, for months, I just slept in a little spot in the corner. I I leave before he got up. I won't come back till they're ready to go to sleep. I just tried to stay out of the way. And that was my introduction to L.A. So what what was your first time on stage like? So, oh, man, how did how how did you get to the stage? Because you said you went to go act. Yeah. So so the main thing was I want to be an actor. Okay. But I had comedy like way in the back of my mind. But my mentor, who uh, a fellow Q, you know, I'm 24 at this time. He was early 30s. So I'm like, that, you know, he old. So, uh, yeah, yeah, OG, triple OG. He 40 now. That's the crazy part. Like, he and his Early 40s. So we, we we joke about that shit now. But um, he's like, when you get there, man, try anything. Improv, plays, stand-up comedy. Like, do everything. Do everything. So I booked a show at the Ha Ha Cafe before I even left. Uh, and when I got there, I met some some Zetas. And I told them, yeah, I got a comedy show. So they came to the, to my shows. And so Some sisters. So two days in L.A., 
I got my first show. Uh, and that was April 5th, 2011. Did it. And I ate shit of course. the entire time I was up there. Of course. The entire time I was up there. But the one thing I did say, because I had this, this like little joke in my head that I had never said out loud. Uh, and uh, I, th- I saw one of the cute girls in, in the front. And I was like, what did you say? I knew she didn't say nothing. But I'm just doing some crowd work. I don't even know this is crowd work. And she was like, I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, because I thought you said... Um, Something about me having a stripper name. And she was like, no, I didn't say that. I was like, yeah, but if I did have a stripper name, what you think my stripper name would be? And she said, um, I don't know. What would it be? I was like, curiosity. And he was like, curiosity? I said, yeah, because curiosity killed a cat. Fuck with me. I got a big laugh, right? And I was like, all right, I'm ready, y'all. Have a good day. <laughs> so I bummed the whole time, but I had that one little curiosity fuck with me joke. I know. And and they a uh, big laugh and I was like that's it and I got off stage and that one big laugh I said yeah this is it mm-hmm. this is this is where I'm at now you also proved my point he was bombing and what did he do <laughs> what's my stripper name ladies no. was <laughs> you're you. right I'm very gotcha. observant wow he got you <laughs> I never made that call damn damn I everybody's never made a got a thing everybody's got a thing I flirt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, bro. Yeah, he got you. I flirt. That's my thing. Yeah. He got you. Damn. A lot. Of, okay. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it ain't. It's, you got We're all in survival mode. Yeah. A lot of comics um, run out to LA. I I look at the LA comedy scene like the gold rush of back in the day. Like yeah. Everybody think like that's just where you got to go. But not only has it the majority of that gold already been found, like. It's really a facade. Like, I didn't even talk to you about why I left. I just happened to run back into you, yeah. and you had left. So after doing, and I say doing time in L.A., because if you're not in a certain financial place, that shit is like doing time because it's really rough. So kind of walk us through, like, some of the struggles of just trying to make it out there and pursue a yep. dream, you know, because the cost of living is, boy... So I had a journey. I was out there ten months. I would have. I would have. I never would have left L.A. But I left because my girlfriend, who's my wife now, came out to visit for Christmas. We got pregnant. The bitch trapped me, and you know I had to come home, right? Because I don't want to be. I don't want to be a deadbeat dad. Ultimately, I really should have brought her out there. But I get to L.A. Start doing my comedy thing. I'm out in Canoga uh, Park with um, Uncle Cody, right? I'm a, I'm still a college kid at heart. I'm 24, but I literally just left a college campus. I know college. I know fraternity. So I gravitated to what I knew. So I got really cool with a lot of the, uh, I think that's Lambda chapter, uh, which is one chapter for all the L.A. schools. So UCLA, uh, USC, um, Northridge, like all these schools yeah. are under one chapter, which is different because in the South, all different schools are different chapter. chapters. But in LA, all the schools are just one chapter. So I get out there, I start rocking with the Lambda bros. Somebody, if I'm wrong, they're going to they gonna jump me about it. But I start rocking with the bros out there. And, you know, they, they moving me around. They showing me people. So that's how I'm starting to get connected. Uh, that's how I'm meeting. Like I, I start getting Security jobs. Like I was doing security at the BET Awards, mm-hmm. um, and that was through through the fraternity. 
Um, so I do the hungry and homeless thing. I'm just trying to find my way, find my path. Uh, I start, I took a job at Bally's in Hollywood as a personal trainer. Didn't know shit about being a personal trainer. So I'm you making got the it look. up. I got the look. Exactly. <laughs> I got the look and I've been working myself out for years. So really, I'm just. Sean, you like work out with me and I'm going to get paid. That's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. So instead of having my people go run, I'm running with them. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm taking them through these real intense workouts and I'm just repeating shit that I've I've heard over the years of why you do you know why you do this and put your hands over your head so you can take the oxygen there, right? I'm just making stuff up. I don't know what I'm doing as a personal trainer. I'm just I'm pretending. But you look the part. I you can get away part. with it. I look the part. A young lady came to work out. Uh her name is uh God dog it. I know her as Luna, but that's not her real name. I can't I can't think of her. Another white girl, another white savior. Um <laughs> she she came in to work out. And she was like, yeah, I just got hired next door. Because she was a cute girl. I was trying to hit Brittany. Brittany. She had a little little back there. Um, so she was like, I just got hired at the W, which was literally right next door to Bally's. Uh, and, and she said, they're still hiring. I'm like, what are they hiring for? She was like, I don't know. Go go find out. So I find out. Um, overnight bellhop. You know, the Moonlight Welcome Ambassador is, is what it was called. I go in, I get the job. This is the job that, like, this is where I started to really feel like, oh, I'm in Hollywood. Because the W was only open, like, that was the first year. It had just, you know, made year one. So it was still very lively. So Sunday nights they had jazz night. Uh, There's this white lady. She was a, a, a brilliant jazz singer. And all the whoever would come on Sunday nights and just watch her do jazz. Um, Stevie Wonder even came in one night. I'm, I'm standing at the top balcony watching Stevie Wonder play, do his thing. I got it, I got it on a picture on one of my old old phones, and I'm just like, bro, I can't believe you know I'm a I'm a country kid from Mobile, Alabama. I just love Jacksonville State. I'm watching Stevie Wonder. Play on the piano. Uh, I used to have to take Jamie Foxx to his room, and I would be talking with Jamie. I told him one day, hey, I'm coming for your spot. He said, come on, because it's not my spot. It's our spot. I said, God damn it, Jamie. Why are you? You're supposed to say something, you know, some asshole shit. You're supposed to say something mean. Yeah. He was like, it's not my spot. It's our spot. And I I thought that was such a cool moment. told Idris Elba that everybody had always said that I look like him. Because everybody always say, man, you, you remind me of Idris Elba. Like my acting style, I guess. I told him this, and he was like, he looked me up and down. He was like, nah, mate, I don't see it. And I was like, hey, fuck you, right? In my head, he's like, but you do look like my cousins. So for years, for years, I'm like, damn, Idris Elba was shitting on me. But then I watched this documentary of uh, Idris doing Muay Thai, and he became like a Muay Thai fighter over in Thailand. Of course he did. Yeah, and he had a, uh, his first like amateur fight. And his cousins, all his cousins came to watch the fight. I'm looking. I'm like, I'll be damned. I do look like these. I do look like his cousins. So this whole time, I think he's trying to shit on me, but he was he was right. I look just like his family members. Um, met Kevin Hart for the first time. Kevin spent five minutes talking to me. Kevin cool, though. He's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Griffin. Uh, I talked to Eddie Griffin about, you know, I'm new to comedy. What should I do? He said, man, if you build it, they'll come. He was like, you know how I got Malcolm and Eddie? I just wrote a script. And they was like, they came to me. They was like, just come up with something. I just wrote the script. 
And it was like, here, this is what I got. Mm-hmm. And boom, that was Malcolm and Eddie. Mm-hmm. So I just, I had a lot of dynamic conversations with with people. And I had that job all the way until uh, the wife told me that, you know, it was it was time to come home. But that was a, a really cool gig. I, I was actually making some money, sending money home to uh, to her. I was helping paying her rent. And it even got to a point where I got out of my, because I was so used to being uncomfortable during my journey that being in that apartment and being comfortable, I was like, I don't like this. So it got to a point where I was like, I, I got to focus on comedy. I need to, I need to struggle. So I snuck out of my apartment in the middle of the night and now I put myself back in like the homeless state of mind. So I would work at night, do stand up, work out, then go back to work. And I would just take a nap in a, a, a storage facility for like two, three hours. And that was my routine for about two months until it was time to go. And But that was, that, I loved it because I, I had money in my pocket. I'm like, I'm homeless, but I ain't broke. You was, ah, I, did, I was like that in L.A. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, I got 800 bucks, so I can kind of go yeah. to your room. And see, as a bellhop, I'm, I'm always getting tipped out. So I, I always had at least 80 to to $100 on me every single day. like, And I'm getting a... $800 check, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I got money. I just don't have to spend it. <laughs> so, to me, the shit was a win on top of, you know, sometimes you got to throw a little diggling around to, <laughs> to have a place to sleep at night when it get a little too rough. Yes. So, well, I, played, I, I played that house. So I got raped. I, don't know nothing I got about raped that. by a woman. She forced me to have sex with her so I can stay at Uncle Cody's. Say what? Tell her, please. So, there was a young lady by the name of Cody. Who who was roommates with Uncle Cody? Um, okay, and Cody was a you know heavier set woman, really cute, had an incredible like personality, real fun. That's but, a very nice way to say ugly. But go ahead. <laughs> no, she was ugly. She just she just you know body type. She looked too not too much for me. But uh, she for, I didn't I didn't want to because I'm like man, this is not gonna be a, a a pleasant environment if it goes down this way. But eventually got to a point where I think she even said, like, hey, man, if you don't hit it, you can't be here. This is what it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she 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 forced me to. So to was she to, the landlord? What kind of power did she? She had the power of influence. <laughs> the power of influence. And I felt like, man, if I don't if I don't hit it, this is not going to go right for me. So I had to, I had to thug it out. And it wasn't my best performance because I was under pressure. But, oh uh, yeah, it was, it was never fun. Yeah, I'm surprised. Hey, shout out to you to be able to get in the mood. I'd have been like, baby, uh, yeah, we that both was, got two separate minds. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. So I did a lot of that. I even, I even lived in uh, Koreatown for for some time. Me too. With a with a with a, a young lady, and same thing. Like just doing things with your body that you really shouldn't even be doing for for a roof over your head, man. Yeah, I was definitely in survival mode. Bro, I broke up. I was dating a girl at the time before I moved to California, and I broke up with her for that reason. I looked at her in the face and said, I don't know what I'm going to have to do to survive out here. Yeah. She understood. Yeah. And luckily for me, I didn't, no, I didn't have to. Nah, I thugged it out though a couple of times. So LA is a grind. LA is it a is. Grind. It is. I appreciate that time in my life. I, I even appreciate you know having to drive to night school because all those those are reminders. Like when when it gets rough for me now, I can look back and and, and say, "But you survived 
that moment. You survive that moment. So it's like, man, you already have the tools to push through whatever it is now. Just remember how you operated then. Use that right now and maybe use that to get through whatever this obstacle is you know, you're dealing with currently. So I credit L.A. for really growing me up. Like Same. You know what I mean? I Same. was a, an adult, you know, number-wise, circles around the sun. But as far as like transitioning to like becoming a man, yeah, that didn't happen until I was out there on my own. I came yeah. back a total like I was a totally different person when I got there. I came back different, but I think being in Atlanta, you kind of it. I went back to some of my old ways because you're here. Because I'm here. I don't think I would have ever done comedy if I would have never left Atlanta. Yeah. I don't think I've ever would have done it. I probably would be somewhere just. Working as a manager at a fucking CVS or some shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Because it, it's a comfort. Unlocking the condom case. Yeah, <laughs> bro. Well, I probably would have had them up in the front to make myself my job easy. I'd be like, what you need, bro? You look like a lifestyle. There you go, bro. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely, yeah. That's what's up. I remember I was at the basement theater doing a show, and I walked out, and somebody went, plug. But you know how somebody can say your name, and it's like, they know you. I was like, who the fuck is that? And it was this asshole. And he had, he had already been back in Atlanta. We had both moved back without communicating to each other. And, uh, yeah, ended up on the Black Sheep Tour. Yeah, I'll say, man, you, um, you, you've you definitely been a, a huge inspiration in, in my journey, not only as a comedian but you know also as a father because it's kind of like I can look at where you and your daughter are. And start like preparing myself. Oh yeah, boy! <laughs> but um, just to see how how you've done it, pretty much as a single dad, uh, and maintain like your authentic self, uh, I, I think is 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 something to take in. Uh, and uh, even with you, Austin, like like staying staying with it, staying active, like staying genuinely yourself. That's that's something I've seen you do, and I, I've watched you grow. You know, even as you've gotten smaller, I've seen you grow as a person, man. So um, the relationship that I've built with, with, with you two over the years uh, is definitely impacted who I am uh, as a comedian. So I just want to be grateful and, and let you guys know that. I received sure. that, brother. I think the difference, though, man, uh, before we get out of here, man, I think the difference between my daughter and Nyla is Nala's gonna be rich by the time she's seventeen because you gotta pay that young girl. Yeah, she's good God, but you better. Hey, if she was out in the car right now, she from the sale. You some mine over there somewhere. She, hey, bro, that girl got the entrepreneurial spirit. She do, and I'll be trying not to get in her way. That's 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 my biggest. I tr- you, I just gotta stay out of her way because you know what I like about it. your kids is is first of all they pleasant to be around, and that's probably the most. Determining factor by somebody when you hang out with your friends that got kids. You know what I mean? All my friends' kids are pleasant to be around. Oh, but, it sucks when you're around one Oh, my God. Man. But in their cases, I love when kids can be who they are but still be kids. So, like, right. how Nala will say the funniest shit. But she's still a kid, and it's not disrespectful, <laughs> but it walks the line. She's a kid. And you like, this shit just say then you, you get somewhere away from him like, that shit was hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, bro, like She funnier than you, bro. I hate to tell you. There's there's a there's a uh, a friend of ours, he told me he told me something she said recently, and I was like, damn, I wanna be mad at her, but I can't. But you can't. Because uh he 
she so she makes bracelets. That's her thing. She makes jewelry, and she was selling a piece of jewelry to him, but he just didn't have the money to to buy it over the like past three four months or whatever. Uh, and every time she sees him, she's like, "Hey, Mister Nick, da da da." Uh, and he's <laughs> he never has it. So we were at a gathering recently. This was just two Fridays ago. We had a gathering, and he sees he sees her. He's like, "Hey, uh, hey, Nyla, how you doing?" She's like, "Hey, Mister Nick." And out of nowhere, she's like, yeah, bracelet is gone. And he, he said, oh, really? Did you sell it? Now, she has my phone, and she's just texting, not even looking up at him. He said, oh, did you sell it? She said, no, I still have it. It's just not waiting on you. And she kept walking. Not even looking at him, bro. Just It's just not waiting on you. And he said she just walked away. That is how you sell. Man, Good for her, man. It. And I told him, I said, you know what? I want to be mad because, yeah, that's a child talking to an adult. But eventually, she's going to be an adult. And I want her to be able to know that, hey, I can share with people what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And if I take my my business serious now, then people are going to respect me uh, down the road. And they're going to respect my time, respect my effort. And if you don't want, if you don't want to sell, just say you don't want to sell. Like, she carries herself like an entrepreneur already. So that's what I'm like. For me, I just got to stay out of her way because I mean, she's just she she's a brilliant business person already. Constantly coming to me with business ideas and just ideas of things she want to decorate, what she want to do, how shit should work. Hey, daddy, so this is my plans today. I'm like, bitch, I got meetings. What you mean? <laughs> this is our plans today. Like, like she's telling me what we doing. What today. we doing? I have a Zoom that I got to get <laughs> off. But that's 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 Nyla. She. She bought her business, so yeah, man. I, you, I just at least she don't way. have a soft kid. There's nothing worse than seeing somebody with a soft kid. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't. I don't. I don't think that just walks around older, with the, yeah. the looking down and just. It's nah, like, they, come on, that. yeah. Hell no, they're not that. Before we get out of here, what's your biggest? What's your fondest memory of your playing days? Fondest memory of my playing days. Um, man, really, it's probably like little league because that's when it was fun. It was fun, and it wasn't the politics. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kicking ass. Now we losing, we lose every single game, but I come out like a champion. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I uh, played good. I played good, but also, yeah, my my Parkview game of, uh, against Burkmar that definitely stands out because. Without me having to say fuck you, I could say fuck you. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I would think that that's my, my biggest takeaway, man. Like, the biggest moments. Yeah. Well, yeah, and fuck you to all those other people that we talked about earlier that should be cursed for eternity. Absolutely. And thank you to all the white saviors, myself included. <laughs> <laughs> We're down here doing our part. Shout out to Miss Mahoney. Like Miss Mahoney was an absolute godsend, and and she showed me, Brandon. Not only are you an athlete, but you're a student athlete, and you are a brilliant mind. Um, she was even encouraging me to be a doctor, and for probably about three years, I was really considering becoming an anesthesiologist. So, yeah, uh, Miss Mahoney, I love you. Shout out to Miss Mahoney. You got a lifetime. Invite to the cookout, darling. Yes, man. That being said, man, it's another episode of Trophy Case. All right, Brandon. Thank you, man. Yes, indeed. Later.